We definitely edit it down. Yeah, we so, do. Yeah. Well, like everything's going to be edited out that I just said? Probably. Pretty much. Yeah, was- <laughs> it's just going to be the three of us laughing at nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the provocatively young, refreshingly hip, and consolingly lay editors of American media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hi. And Olga Segura. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Great. What are you What are you drinking, Zach? So uh, our guest this week, Lino Rulli, the Catholic guy on SiriusXM's The Catholic Channel. We tweeted at him. We have lots of questions for you, but first, what's your drink? And so he recommended that we have Kettle One Vodka and Club Soda. Yes. No, apparently this is part of his new diet. Yes. Uh, so forget what you heard, that gin. Yeah, I always thought gin was the healthiest. And yep. It's vodka. And evidently, Lino hangs around too many bartenders who have told him that actually, Kettle One and Club Soda yeah, is the yeah. lightest drink you can have. I, I, I feel pretty light right now. <laughs> so, since it was low, cal- low, low in caloric value, I decided to have three. Right. Um, yes, and as Zach already said, our guest, Olga, this week is Lino Rulli, who is an author, producer, and host of the Catholic Guy radio show on Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel. We'll be talking to him about radio. He's been doing this for 10 years. Ne- and Well, yeah, radio for 10 years, but like... But broadcasting, broadcasting for longer. Broadcasting for longer, yeah. So to give you a sense of Lino's show, it's sort of the uh, after work drive home. And it's him with a co-host right now. It's Mark Hart, the Bible geek from Life Teen, who was actually a very big influence on my faith life when I was a teenager. But it's a way for... It's Catholic stuff, but in a non super pious way and so it's a way for catholics to sort of be connected to a community of other catholics in an informal setting which is i think something we aspire to do also yeah hopefully we'll be around in 10 years yeah that's uh (laughs) if freaks and geeks didn't make it past a couple seasons i don't know if I don't know if we're going to. <laughs> America wasn't ready for that. I don't know if they're ready for us. Fair enough. All right. Time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. Well, what's our first story, Zach? So uh, on Saturday, Pakistan laid to rest its most famous Catholic nun. It's the, She was known as uh, Pakistan's Mother Teresa, uh, Sister Ruf Pau, who was credited with eradicating leprosy from Pakistan. And so she had this funeral where it, she received full state honors, including a 19-gun salute for her service to not just the church, but to the country. You know, this yeah. is not a majority Christian nation. And, so, and, not, and not a country that's known for its religious tolerance. Right. And so I think, you know, we being the West and also here in America famously neglect news from this part of the world mm-hmm. often. And so I thought it was important to bring this to highlight uh, Sister Ruth Fow. Yeah, that's great. What's next, Ashley? So a new report from CBS News uh, announces that Iceland is on its way to eliminating people with Down syndrome. Uh, they Genetic counseling has gotten so um, widespread and accurate that most women have it, and once they find out that uh, their fetus or child has Down syndrome, they go ahead with abortion. So they're basically at, like, 100% abortion rate for children with Down syndrome. Well, I think it's important to point out there's a difference between eliminating a disease because you've cured it and just killing everyone with that disease, right? Yes, that is not exactly healing (laughs) um, anyone. 
there have been many studies showing not that you need studies to dignify a human's worth, but the idea that a person with Down syndrome is, you know, does, can't have a fulfilling life is just patently false. There have been studies that's showing they are very happy with their lives. They are, they like who they are. 96% like the way they look. They, you know, the mm -hmm. fact, the idea that we need to like save these people from a life of suffering is just not, not a good excuse. <laughs> yeah. I think people should look into the work of Jean Vanier. Yes. Uh, who has been suggested for canonization on this show. Mm -hmm. I think, Jim, Jim Martin, Jim yeah. Martin yeah. yeah, suggested that we canonize him, but he, he founded large communities and which works with um, a lot of people with Down syndrome, among other things. And I, I have a couple friends who live in large communities mm -hmm. and are among the joy, the most joyful people that I know. So shout out to Katie and Evan Peterson who are doing that. And I'm thinking of them this week in this story. Nice. All right. What's next, Olga? So during a live CNN town hall this past Tuesday, Sister Erica Jordan, a Dominican nun from Wisconsin, kind of confronted Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, asking him how his Catholic beliefs sort of align with his politics, nor especially, you know, church teaching that tells us to prioritize the poor and to care about them, to which Ryan stated that he agrees with her sentiment and added that for him, church teaching calls for and i quote upward mobility that means economic growth that means equality of opportunity um the sister was not very happy about this um and he got a lot of well booze. based on her facial expression <laughs> yeah i'm sorry based on her facial expressions i'm not going to make assumptions but she didn't look happy about this and he got a lot of booze as he was speaking too yes and one one could interpret paul ryan's facial expression as smug <laughs> too much uh but he sort of had this like aha moment i know what you're talking about mm -hmm. i'm gonna use my canned answer but so preferential option for the poor actually just means treating everyone the same for paul ryan ashley are you gonna <laughs> stick up for why would you think i would stick up for i think i think that in general you like to stick up for uh conservatives particularly when they are yes uh misrepresented i would agree with that yes um as the daughter of two lovely conservatives and someone who sometimes identifies as conservative i do do that um and i would i will say this i it's when people go after motivations that i tend to you know want to push back uh so i would not i would not say that paul ryan is disingenuous in his catholic faith i think he believes what he believes i think he when he says upward mobility he means raising people out of poverty that said i i'm not going to defend the idea that preferential option for the poor actually means equality of opportunity because it clearly does not right. <laughs> that's an important thing you know say you have a group of people that need shoes you don't just give them all size seven shoes that would be equality of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so our next story comes from the, the great state of Virginia. <laughs> the great state of Virginia. Where our own Ashley is from. It's had a rough couple of weeks. Yes, yeah. it has. For sure. And this story comes from the Diocese of Arlington. Uh, a priest, Father William Aitchinson, well, he, he wrote a letter, an op-ed in a newspaper, where he confessed to more than 40 years ago being a member of the KKK. I, I brought this story because it's interesting on a couple on many levels. One is he outed himself. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. sound like he was it was uncovered or I don't he blackmailed or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so he turned himself in, um, announced that he was 
uh, stepping down. Um, so he's sort of like going, you know, taking a break from being any in any type of public involvement. He wrote this and sort of hasn't been reached for comment from the media as of today. And so he wrote a wrote an op-ed in the Arlington Catholic Herald about his involvement and how the events in Charlottesville, which is not too far from Arlington, uh, sort of sparked this call to conscience within him to come clean about this. A cynical interpretation of this would be that he, after everything that was happening in Virginia, feared that he was going to be exposed and wanted to get ahead of the scandal. Right. Um, and there, there are people making that case. There's an African-American family uh, from Maryland who, in response to this story, came out and said 40 years ago they had suffered a cross burning at the hands of the, this former Klansman, this Catholic priest. Um, and so they say apology is, is nice, but certainly not enough. But I think it's it's a great first step, even though the cynicism, it, it it's fair, you know, especially if you were someone who suffered at the hands of what his actions 40 years ago. Um, but, you know, he did this when he was a student um, and he talks about how he was radically transformed by Christ afterwards. And coming forward, especially in a day and age where our own political leaders can't even be explicit and acknowledge their own wrongdoing. I think it's a great first step. It's not easy. Um, and I don't think it excuses how he's made these families feel. But I think that it is important um, to see, especially our Catholic leaders kind of taking this first step. And, you know, he's calling out other bigots and racists and telling them that their hatred is not going to help them, that they need to be redeemed. And for people who are within these movements, it's not going to come from necessarily from Black Lives Matter activists. It's going to come from mm -hmm. someone who was involved the same way they were telling them like, hey, I was there too, but here's a way for us to become better, you know? Yeah. Have you guys read about this this guy, Derek Black? He was the son of the founder of Stormfront, which is like the white nationalist or white supremacist website. Um, and he, he was a young white nationalist. And then uh, he went to college, made friends, made friends with Jewish people and kind of had this conversion experience and ended up coming out about his past in the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center website. And he went there, not because he wanted to reach anti-racist, but because he knew that all the white nationalists read this website as like their gossip magazine. And he wanted to tell his own community, like, look, I understand you. I, I believed this right. for 20, 20 years. And this is why I, this is why I'm, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think when we talk about white allies in racial reconciliation, mm -hmm. this is what we're talking about. We're talking about people like this Catholic priest who stepped down, people like Derek who are calling out other supremacists, other racists, etc. There's a, you know, a lot of buzz after Charlottesville to, you know, identify people and try to get them fired from their jobs and make it publicly, you know, shameful to be a white supremacist. And some people pointed out like, no, that this type of like, uh, reconciliation, uh, reintegration is what we need to combat this, the sin. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that really points out the difference between God's time, the Kairos, and our time, Kronos, mm -hmm. right? So, like, you have to balance that reconciliation doesn't happen on a schedule. This, I mean, this priest, it took him, you know, 40 years. 40 years. Right. People of color don't have 40 years to, you know, <laughs> stay safe, right? right. Mm -hmm. So... It's a, that's a super tough balance about God's mm -hmm. slow work and our human affairs. We've got a, another story that sort of is stemmed from the, you know, 
event that was Charlottesville. I mean, this is that event alone sparked a number of conversations and events happening around the country. And a statue of a Catholic saint was defaced in sort of the, uh, I don't know if it was like a, a movement to sort of uh, get rid of Confederate statues, but also statues that represented any type of injustice. Yeah. So uh, in Charlottesville, that was sparked by the nominal reason for the white nationalists and supremacists being there was to protest the taking down of the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. And then one week later, in on the other side of the country, in California, uh, the statue of St. Junipero Serra, he was the Spanish missionary to California. His statue was defaced at the Mission San Fernando Church in the Mission Hills of Los Angeles. Um, so there was a statue of this saint. He was canonized very recently by Pope Francis. Uh, someone spray-painted murder and put red paint on the statue. It's, it, the statue is uh, Sarah uh, with his arm around a young Native American child. Mm -hmm. um, so... The reason you know, he, he was canonized in 2015, and there was a good deal of controversy around. This is when Pope Francis yeah, was here. I was, I was actually at his canonization mask in D.C. Trying to get you to say that. <laughs> yeah, there I was there. Um, so yeah, no, this was controversial because he is connected to the Spanish Empire that was coming to California, and these missions that he set up along the coast. Um, you know, they were for evangelization, but there was abuse. There was people were forced to work there, often for no no wage. They were abused. Um, their culture was taken from them. Uh, so the idea of the Catholic Church lifting this person up as a saint is um, problematic for many people. Yeah. I want to Does preface that, it by yeah. saying, one, tear down all the Confederate statues. <laughs> I'm still very pro that. Uh, I don't think you need to, like, look at this as an example of why we shouldn't. I think that's incorrect. Uh, you don't buy, like, the slippery slope argument? No. Ta yeah, I don't. Um, Father Jim McDermott, when around yeah, the time... I was going to bring this up. Uh, uh, around the time that Junipero Serra was canonized, wrote out a list of things to keep in mind when talking about the canonization, and I thought it was super helpful, and it's super helpful now. Yeah. One is to acknowledge... The hard truths, you know, yeah, there's a tendency to deflect or say, yeah, you know, downplay the abuse that happened. Right. And it's not without justification. Uh, Sarah's treatment of native peoples was far better than the Spanish soldiers. But also not, all of that happened within a, within a context of total devastation. You know, half mm -hmm. the native people in California died because of diseases brought from Spain. So uh, this is a broader historical context that you have to acknowledge and talk about. I, I think there's an insight from Ignatian spirituality here is that in the context of terrible things happening, you don't need to justify any of these past mistakes, but you can look at, um, you know, sometimes consolations happen in very dark periods in mm -hmm. your own life, right? And so we can have examples of grace and conversion and uh, God's presence in the world in a dark moment in history. In, within a dark context. And you don't need to justify those contexts or mistakes. Wait, that are you saying made. that Sarah was a light point in a dark point of history? Yeah, absolutely. I, okay. think that, I think that's what I would say. I think that's what the church would say, yeah. too, in their canonization. Not to play down the, the dark point in history mm -hmm. in any means. You don't need to justify that at all. But yeah. I think, you know, is God present in that even in these dark points? Is yeah. something we look for in our own lives, but also in history.
today we're pleased to welcome Lino Rulli, the host of The Catholic Guy on Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel. Welcome to Jesuitical. This is the best because... <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. We love to hear that. So, so when you guys were between four and seven was when I started broadcasting. Wow. And we never started drinking right before the show. Now, sometimes we have to drink during a show, and I yeah. always need to have a drink after the show. But this is revolutionary. I really like this. So, Lino, what makes you the Catholic guy and not just a Catholic guy? It's all about copyright. It's copyright and trademark. <laughs> Got it. Once you get in there first. So, you would, would you describe your work as a ministry? Uh, you know? No. No. <laughs> just a job? Well, it, it's, not, it's not just a job. It's mm-hmm. a job I absolutely love. And the only reason I don't call it a ministry is because if you're an artist or a musician and all of these things, internally you can see it as a ministry, but I think you first have to see yourself as an artist. You have to see yourself as a professional. I come at it as I'm a broadcaster, and I have chosen to talk about Catholicism. But first and foremost, I want to be a broadcaster, and I want to be an entertainer, and I want people to listen to this program, whether or not they are Catholic, whether or not they believe in what I'm saying. And, and if I started seeing it only as a ministry, I think I would, I would be looking at the content differently, and I would be looking at the way I approach topics differently, and I want to be seen as a broadcaster before I'm seen as a Catholic broadcaster. Mm, you have cited Howard Stern as a big influence on you. Yes. Has that ever gotten you into hot water? Almost every day, but no, I can't say every <laughs> single day. Uh, I've got three big influences in my life. Howard Stern, David Letterman, and John Paul II. <laughs> When John Paul II died, that was the only pope I'd ever known. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, I've met him, but I don't mean it like that. I meant yeah. the only guy I ever saw wearing white, other than in photos, was John Paul II. And so those were always my three main influences. And now I work at Sirius XM, and Howard and the guys are all a part of my family, if you will. They're all part of you know, my friends and all of this. And, and, and for whatever reason, I don't, and I don't actually know the answer to this, but I receive a lot of criticism because of that. And I don't know where the criticism comes from. To be influenced by somebody seems to be a positive thing, which gets back to your question earlier about ministry versus, you know, when I say, well, I want to learn how Howard Stern does radio, what made him one of the most influential broadcasters in history, not because I'm going to be, but because I want to learn some techniques or something that, uh, that he has done, which makes me perhaps less of a failure than I am. You Mm. also have a, a master's degree in theology. Not that you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so how has that influenced? Has it influenced? <laughs> uh, no. no. Well, when I got the master's degree, here, the long story short Should is, we go to grad school? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Will it make us better podcasters? <laughs> no. No. The, the making you better podcasters is doing what you're doing right now, putting the hours in of getting the experience of broadcast. I got a master's degree in theology because, ironically, I, got, I had a bachelor's in communications and realized... Media wasn't for me. I wanted to de- devote my life more to God. And so I went and got a master's in theology, and I really wanted to work for the church and do all of that. And then it, it, one thing led to another and led me into broadcasting. And then it, it turns out I prefer to work in Catholic media than any other form. So even about Howard Stern, years ago, I did get one, a job offer to work there. And I decided, no, I'm going to stick with, I know this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stay with that Catholic money. <laughs> yeah, that Catholic money's where, it at, where it's at. So I, I, I got the master's degree because I love God. I love the church. But at least from where I come from, I, I don't think most people who are listening to my radio show are looking for a master's degree level 
conversation. They're looking for a few laughs. And if I can tell them something about God or something about the church along the way, all the better. What keeps your listeners engaged? What have you found is the most uh, engaging parts of your show? What do they gravitate most towards? It turns out I'm crazy. And my therapist (laughs) knew this. I knew this. I say a lot of stupid things because I I think a lot of stupid things. And somehow that that's entertainment for them. And then what I try to do is I try to tie it into with the Catholicism. I'll give you an example of a story last week that we got a lot of reaction to was I'm married now. But before I was married, the first thing I would do when I would get home is I'd take my pants off. I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, I'd close the door behind me and I'd just take my pants off. Okay, so I'd throw them wherever I wanted. You didn't have roommates. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. He's not 23, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're talking about more like when I was uh, 34. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And and I would throw the pants on a chair or on a couch or whatever, and and I wasn't a nudist, but I would just (laughs) that's how I would live my life. And I'd walk around and maybe I'd throw on a pair of shorts later on or not. If I order some delivery, I'll put a pair of shorts on when the delivery guy shows up. Because you're a stand-up guy. Yeah, that's right. I'm just not, I'm not as creepy as I sound. Right. <laughs> now, that usually gets a bit of a laugh because people go, well, what an odd, that, apparently that's odd behavior that the first thing you do is take your pants off and throw them wherever you want in your living room. And then the next day I do the same thing. And then eventually there's just clothes all over the house. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to spiritual direction for a period of time, not that anybody notices, but I went to spiritual direction and we talked a little bit about discipline in my life. And my spiritual director suggested the first thing I do is think about my pants, to which I said, well, <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you on that, but I'm on a variety of levels, certainly. <laughs> I, I think when I go to confession, the priest usually says, yeah, it's an issue with your pants, isn't it? Yes, it is, uh, Father, now that you mention it, I hadn't thought of it this way. So I will tell something stupid like pants mm-hmm. and then be able to tie it into Actually, I learned a lesson about one of the first things you learn, I guess, if you go to seminary, one of the first things you learn about spiritual direction is be disciplined. And the first way you're going to learn to be disciplined, if you want to be disciplined in the spiritual life, is are you making your bed in the morning? Are you throwing your pants wherever you want as soon as you get home? If you can start discipline with something like making your bed, you may be more disciplined when it comes to virtue or vice as uh, but when, may- once the bed is made. But maybe not, so I'm going to stick with... <laughs> <laughs> not making the bed if that's until it's conclusive. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Listen, I, I make my bed every day. Look how I'm turned out. So I, I think you actually are probably smart for not doing that. So you've been on the air for for years, and you are very vulnerable and very open on the air. You've mentioned your therapist, and you've also well, you're married now, but you talked about being single and looking for a girlfriend. How do you sustain that? How how are you so comfortable being so vulnerable and so open? I don't think you can ever overshare. Now, you can overshare information about other people. So I could tell you something about my wife right now that she would feel, well, that went a little far. <laughs> but I think two things, and, and uh, they are not mutually exclusive, but about Catholicism and about broadcasting. The first one's about broadcasting. You're always looking for content. One of the first things I learned was uh, one of my former program directors told me, Lino, the best thing that could happen to you is on your way to work, somebody will come and kick you in the groin because now you've got something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Regis Philbin had once given advice to actually now Ryan Seacrest. He was always Ryan Seacrest, but Ryan Seacrest now that he has the little Kelly show, whatever it's called. (laughs) And, And Regis said, go out every night and do something so you have something to talk about. So in broadcasting, sharing is probably the best thing you can do. But I think in Catholicism, most importantly, it's the thing that's done the least often in an authentic way 
and is needed the absolute most. So if I can hear somebody who's struggling with prayer, if I can hear somebody go, there are times that I doubt God's existence, that to me is so much more helpful to be authentic like that. And what actually I dislike even more is when somebody fakes it and then years later goes, oh, I have to tell you, 10 years ago, I was really struggling with faith. Mm -hmm. And they think that's authentic. I go, no, I need to know authenticity now. I need to know authenticity about, you know, and especially like we've talked about public confession for centuries in the church, but nobody wants to talk about what their sins are. In my mind, it's only when you can talk about, like for me, my sins, (laughs) uh, pride, lust, and jealousy. Those are my three top sins. I'm not super greedy just because I I work in Catholic media. It's not not an option. Uh, I'm moderately slothful, but but like pride. Pants. My pants. (laughs) Okay, lazy. That's more of a comfort thing. Take my pants off. Uh, But but like right there, I go, okay. And I'm happy on the air to talk exactly what, uh, what my sins are and why I feel like I'm committing these sins, both psychologically and spiritually, what is causing me to do this. The more I think people can share about this. I think the healthier the church is because it becomes a lot more transparent, becomes a lot more honest of a church, and it, it and in some ways builds a little bit more community because while we all want the Pope to be holy, isn't there something fantastic about the Pope that we know the Pope sins? Mm-hmm. And the fact that the Pope sins makes me feel a little bit better about being Catholic. Hmm. You did meet two girlfriends through the radio show, right? Sure. More than two. <laughs> Sure, I've had I've, I've had several. We used to do yeah. games on the show. My, my wife doesn't let me play these games anymore. But oh, <laughs> really? man. I know she's. I a bit wonder of a, why. <laughs> bit of a prude. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. She, uh, uh, yeah, sure. We, we used to play uh, dating games on mm-hmm. the air, where the, just like the old dating game, where you'd have three women on the other side, and I would ask them certain questions, and then I would meet them and we'd go out on dates that's not weird at all that's super normal super healthy behavior i know who are my bosses that are letting me get away with this you know this it, this it sounds not? a little crazy but my grandfather was a radio broadcaster for wcol in ohio and he was hungry on air one night and so we put out a call to his listeners to bring him a bowl of wendy's chili and so my grandmother hears this brings the chili he asks her out on a date they go out on a date that night, he proposes. She says, ask me tomorrow. He asks tomorrow. And they were married until he <laughs> and died. here you are. <laughs> so, and here I am. So wow. I, I've got to respect it. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, my wife has never brought me chili, so I don't know what that means about our relationship. This doesn't feel promising. Rocky foundation, maybe. Yeah, this, is, this is not promising. What is it that, uh, what kind of chili was it? It was Wendy's chili. Wendy's chili. It's like a buck. I bet it was like 10 cents back then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> It really wasn't the price that I thought was the crux of the conversation. <laughs> it's like a dollar. It's like 10 cents. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, is I guess this wouldn't be the place you would talk about it, but like, is there a part of your life that you wall off? No. No. There's literally no. like nothing you will not share. Oh, there are things I won't share because you either I... job. <laughs> no, no. I don't, I'm not really afraid of losing my job. I, there are things I won't share because either I don't think they'll make entertaining radio mm-hmm. or because... I'll get in trouble or because it's inside Catholic baseball. Like I'll have certain thoughts about the Catholic church or people in the church that I'd be more than willing to share. But if I'm, I'm on the radio and I got a mainstream audience, you don't really care about what I think of this particular person. If anything, I'm giving more exposure to somebody I don't like, which I don't need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But then there are times in your life that 
I won't share. Like sometimes a tragedy could happen in my life or somebody will die and I go, well, but they don't pay me to go on the air and talk about that. I certainly am able to if I want, but I'm going to go on the air and try to make people laugh. So if it if it's not going to be entertainment and it's not going to be Catholic, chances are I'm I'm not going to do it. But then there are certain things I know I can't share uh, again about my wife or about friends. But I, I just learned that the hard way because I would I would say something. Speaking of one of the women who I've met on my show, one of my girlfriends, <laughs> I, I would uh, I would say things about them on the air. I'd say, well, here's a particular thing she does and she wouldn't like that hmm. well, okay. i can't imagine why <laughs> me either and none of them brought me chilling none of them that's how you know they've all been bad relationships i i have this experience and i'm sure other people in this room can relate to it is you know say you're at a bar and you're waiting to meet someone and the bartender just strikes up a conversation like oh what do you do oh i work at a magazine Oh, oh, what magazine? Oh, it's a it's a Catholic magazine. Oh, sweet. Here's everything I think about organized religion. Yes. Go. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so you're really inviting that in your life by do, yeah, do you, being the do Catholic you, guy. How do you uh, deal with that? Do you ever get sick of it? Uh, I well, First of all, if, if I am at a bar, and I'm, it's tough to find times that I'm not at a bar, but when I'm at a bar, <laughs> if somebody asks what I do, I try to avoid the topic at all costs. And and not because I'm ashamed of Catholicism, but exactly because I don't want to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And if somebody pushes me or they, they come on, just tell me, or somebody comes up and says, hey, I recognize you. And then the person next to me says, well, who are you? I always say, oh, nobody. I mean, this happened about a week ago. I was just walking down the street and a woman came up and said, hey, could I take a picture with you? I said, of course. Uh, I mean, she listened to the show. She wasn't yeah. just like, wow, you have a really big nose. Like, I'm visiting from Japan. I'd like to show my friends. And and while we were chatting, she asked a different woman, hey, would you take a picture of the two of us? And the woman said, oh, are you famous? And I said, no, which is true. And she said, well, are you a comedian? I said, no, which is also true, but more sad right now. Yeah. <laughs> and as she took the picture, like I was just avoiding it because I, I don't need to explain everything about Catholicism. Mm-hmm. But... This probably says more about me than it says about my faith. I also, if somebody wants to tell me their whole spiel on organized religion, genuinely don't care. I, I, I you know, oh, I used to be Catholic. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I used to weigh 10 pounds more. I don't, I don't know. Like, what was <laughs> right. so, Okay. Yeah, I don't like religion. I don't like broccoli. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. The, wow. Look at all the things we have in common. We both have things we don't like in this world. Uh, what you don't like happens to be most important to me. So this probably wouldn't be the best friendship we'd have. Yeah, you're yucking my yum, as the, as the kids say. Is that what they say? Yeah, don't yuck my yum. If someone's like, I love socks, you don't be like, socks are stupid. Wait, I've never heard this. Is this, an, is this an Ohio thing? It's a, I feel like it's, it's a summer camp thing. It's like thing. a sub-25-year-old yeah. thing. Okay, we're, we're too old, we're too old. It hasn't made its way up to the Bronx sack, I'm sorry. It's on its way, though, I promise. Yuck my yum. Don't yuck my yum, man. <laughs> Come up, it man. sounds weird. It sounds dirty. <laughs> yeah, it sounds extreme. I'm going on the air today and I'm going to say it. I'm going to see, right. see what kind of hate mail I get. Yeah, probably. Be like, hey, I was talking to Howard Stern the other day and he <laughs> and he said, Lino, don't yuck my yum. <laughs> yuck my yum. All right. Um, so our last question, we ask all Last? Our... I'm, I'm only halfway oh, done yeah. with my Wait, drink. No, yeah. Take well, your you drink. Can, no, you got to chug it. Then you can answer <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> we ask all of our guests this. If you could canonize anyone, living or dead, Catholic or non-Catholic, who would it be? But it can't be yourself because we know you wrote a book about this in 2013. That's right. <laughs> so taking me out of it. <laughs> taking yourself out but of it. But people that. should buy that book. If right. Yeah, if why not? Yeah. I got nothing What's better to do. What's it called? Yeah. Uh, what is, so I got a, a book called Sinner and I got a book called Saint. 
And the saint one is why I should be canonized right away. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually got to the question you're asking, because, of course, it's nonsense to imagine I'd ever be canonized. The, The first person that comes to mind that I've always said should be canonized is Michelangelo. Primarily because he was an ugly Italian. It's something I could relate to. <laughs> and and but, but a guy who does that much work for the church. And then there's some, you know, dopey nun from the 800s who's canonized. She died of the plague. But Michelangelo, <laughs> Michelangelo created some of the greatest work of art in history. To this day, 20,000, 30,000 people are in that Sistine Chapel <laughs> thinking about God. So he should be canonized. That's good. Okay. However, what I really would say, uh, I, let's not make this about me. But I was going to say everybody's grandma. I was going to say my We've grandma. We've gotten that answer like yeah. five yeah. times. Yeah. But you know why? Here's here's the reason why. And it doesn't, you know, it could be my mom. It could be my grandma. It could be the, what the church needs to do. And maybe this is the answer you get constantly is sh- she needs to slow down with the canonization of, of priests and nuns, not because they don't do great work. And again, dying of the plague obviously is not a lot of fun. So you should be canonized or whatever. <laughs> And the 800s, I'm sure, was a very powerful moment in the church's history. But, <laughs> but my point is, how many single moms right now have been canonized in the church? And do they see themselves in the church? Or do they see themselves as, oh, well, I'm just a single mom. I'll, I can't go to heaven. I can't be a saint because I'm not a nun or I didn't start a religious order and I didn't die of the plague. So not that my grandma was a single mom. But the idea of it needs to be a lot more, in my mind, women, even though I know Michelangelo was an exception, it needs to be a lot more women who haven't done anything marvelous in the eyes of the world in terms of building a, a building or starting a religious order or ministering to the sick. But somebody who just lived their life and was you know, not exactly perfect, but lived their life and made a ton of mistakes, but still went to church every Sunday and missed a few, of course. And then they die, and then they get canonized. That's who I want to see the church not 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 canonize the other ones, but I think you know there's a handful of lay people in the church, and there's a handful of women in the church, and I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if s- some of those folks who represent Catholicism and actually keep the church alive every single day would be uh, canonized more often. I hey like man, that. Where would the church be without grandmas? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and where can people find you on the air? Where- Thank you for pointing out on the air instead of where can people find me, because that's usually more of a <laughs> right, right, right. my address. Uh, yeah, the Catholic Guy Show is on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. It's the afternoon drive show. It's uh, it's me. Every, Ca- oh, every, Catholic Guy. Every, every day, yeah? Yeah, not Saturday, Sundays, of course. But uh, Monday through Friday, they put me to work like a trained monkey. <laughs> and, and, and it goes up as a podcast. And we do a podcast. Oh, so that if people are too cheap to pay for satellite radio... <laughs> There we go. Great. Thank you so much for Thank you. Us. Thanks, guys. This is fun. I'm just going to stick yep. with my no, drink yeah, here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Ashley, you've been doing a lot of audio stuff today. Yes. Just came back from America This Week, America's other podcast hosted by Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. It's on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129, and you can find it on our website, AmericanMagazine.org, or your wherever you get your podcast. It's called America This Week. All right. Now it's time for some listener feedback. First, we have an email from Lauren Gonzalez, who listened to last week's episode in which we talked about um, the church's response to Charlottesville and whether you heard about 
those events at mass that Sunday or not. Um, and she said, last week's podcast helped me to realize that I could be the one to create such a forum to talk about these issues. So she asked, do you have any reading recommendations for someone keen to learn more about the tradition of Catholic involvement in social activism? And do we ever. <laughs> yeah, we, we posted this on Twitter and we've gotten a lot of really great responses. This taught me we have really smart listeners. We really yeah. do. Oh, man. So... Woke Space Jesuit wrote in and offered uh, Bach and Connor's Church and Revolution, uh, Meister's Social Catholicism and Catholic Labor. Greg wrote in uh, two, you know, super accessible and obvious ones, Dorothy Day's The Long Loneliness and Dan Berrigan's No Bars to Manhood. But several people suggested anything by either Dorothy Day or Daniel Berrigan is a great place to start. That's a good yeah. place to start. Agreed. And, and they were there were really a ton of great answers. Yeah. So I would go to our Twitter feed at Judge Show and just kind of peruse through those. Yeah, we'll have put- your... We'll Your put fall a link. semester we'll, reading for yeah. you. Exactly. We'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> and also, if you haven't given an answer but want to, feel free. Because as Zach said, yeah. we, you guys are clearly smarter than we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another email came from Anthony who wrote in. He, he also appreciated our conversation. And he spent time before he was Catholic in a uh, United Church of Christ seminary in Chicago. And so he appreciated... Uh, Ashley, your points that it's really tough to write, prepare, and deliver homilies. Um, and the thing that he pointed out was it's not, he didn't expect a homily, but he wanted it addressed in some way with mm-hmm. a prayer or acknowledging the theological tradition on this issue within the church to give the lay people a framework in which to think of it. Cause a lot of times we're struggling, but um, he also thought it was important for everyone to find their voice and step up. And so he also contributed to the thread too. So Ashley, you inspired. Yes. I didn't get the last word last week, but you inspired someone. I so always get out. the last laugh. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for consolations and desolations. Zach, what do you have? This week, I have a desolation. So someone who is a good friend of the show, but also a good friend of myself and I think other people around the table. Uh, Father James Martin is a coworker, but he's a friend and he's been very much in the news and the public conversation with his new book, Building a Bridge, on the reconciliation opportunities between the LGBT community and the Catholic Church. And uh, he's getting dragged through the mud in some areas. Uh, And I think this week I just sort of snapped. It's because it's a weird thing to see people just like talk smack about a friend of yours in a very public form. Yeah, and this is happening a, a lot on, like, Twitter and right. yeah. other... It's, it's easier for people to do things yeah. like this on Twitter than in person. And it's, I don't know, it reminded me just, like, because you, and you want to speak up, because, I mean, if it's like, you know, hearing your best friend talked about in high school at the lunch table next to you, you think yeah. you would, like, the best version of yourself would, you know, say something and then, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, so the desolation would the be... The desolation is, one feeling helpless because it's you're not going to do anything you're yeah. not going to change anyone's engaging mind. is not really gonna yeah and also so one i think feeling helpless but also participating in it i you know fired off some tweets that were maybe not wise <laughs> maybe did not maybe broke the america social media <laughs> maybe i was guidelines <laughs> maybe too snarky too mean um so i think that is my desolation is uh feeling helpless when seeing a friend dragged through the mud and then also just being involved in that right. terribleness yeah. All right. What about you, Olga? Well, I've got a consolation this week, um, and it actually involves Zach. So I what? hope that oh it God. helps you feel better. Um, so last week I mentioned that I was feeling very down with all, everything that was happening with Charlottesville and my father getting stopped by ICE. And I'd 
had been toying with the idea of writing something about this, uh, but it's not easy when you're talking about your personal life and writing. It's just, you know, it was something that I was going back and forth. So I kind of sent a draft to Zach and I was like, well, even before I sent him the draft, I was like, should I write about this? And he was just like, you totally should. Then I sent you the draft and he was like super encouraging. And then I just got it ready, went off, whatever. Um, So in a moment where I was feeling very hopeless and just not, you know, I mentioned last week that it's hard to be in a white space and when you're dealing with these issues of race, but knowing that Zach was there kind of encouraging me to write was a moment where I was kind of like, okay, even in a moment where you're completely hopeless, you can totally see God in this person who you see every day and who just really believes in a product you're creating, even when you don't. So that was my consolation for this week. Oh. <laughs> um, and everyone should go read this article. It's at americanmagazine.org. It's called My Father Was Pulled Over by ICE Agents the Same Day Charlottesville Happened. And it's a very powerful article. So, Thank you. Olga, yeah. thank you for Mostly having your light. Mostly thanks to Olga, but kind of thanks to Zach. <laughs> no, I just, Olga, you've got a light and I'm glad you let it shine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're not going to break into song, song right now? <laughs> Why would He's I holding do that? back tears right now. <laughs> I've never sang on this show. <laughs> So what about you, Ashley? I also have a consolation. I can't believe we got through this whole show without talking about the total eclipse of the sun. Oh, wow. <laughs> I completely that forgot. Happened this week. Very total spiritual. eclipse hey, of the sun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> set that up for you. <laughs> okay. So Monday was the total eclipse of the sun. My older brother, Chris, went down to South Carolina where um, my mom's side of the family is, to be in the path of totality. And while he was down there, in the moment when the moon moves from covering the sun, it's called the diamond moment when the sun peeks back out. And he asked his girlfriend to marry him. With a diamond? With a diamond. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, shoot. Wow. wow. Yeah. I was like, if you knew Chris, it was just like, leave it to Chris to like up show, <laughs> show up the It's uh, like any other eclipse. proposal in your family is just not going to hold yeah. up to this. No. But so, I mean, obviously that was very exciting. The consolation um, is my, I don't think Chris would take offense at this. He's always been kind of like, the black sheep prodigal son in the family. Um, so for the past 10 years, he was in med school becoming a doctor. He was really not interested in relationships. He just kind of lived alone and was very closed off. Um, and if you asked him about like, hey, you going to get married? He'd just be like, I'll get married when I'm 60. <laughs> <laughs> but then he met this wonderful woman, Dina. Um, and I could, you could just like see the slow work of God on him, like, like pulling him out of his little cave, um, and opening up his heart to first, first to Dina, but then to even to like his family in new ways mm-hmm. through her. Like over Fourth of July, we spent time with the two of them and he was cooking us dinner and like grocery shopping and going to church with us. And it was just like <laughs> this very, um, hopeful side of him that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, and so uh, seeing that uh, taught me one, like to have hope for people I love and care about that they'll, they'll find their way mm-hmm. and to like patience to like let, let it happen in God's time. Right, right. It's That's worth really waiting. Beautiful. Congrats to Chris. And <laughs> yeah. what's his fiance's name? Dina. Chris and Dina. Chris and wow. Dina. We good? We're good. All right. Well, we're done. I don't know if we're good. <laughs> we're pretty good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Kettle one vodka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. 
Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ, and adult supervision provided by Sam Sawyer, SJ. Engineering by Angelo Jesus Canta. Adverbs provided by Lauren Gonzalez. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli. Special thanks this week to Anna Marchese, our former intern, who randomly ran into Lino Rulli um, in front of St. Paul's Church and was the one responsible for getting him on our show. Nice. So that was good. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Check out that awesome list of social activism books at Jesuitical Show. And please subscribe to us on iTunes wherever, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review this week. Shout out to Four Letter Word, Nickname, <laughs> and C. Strickland for leaving us reviews. Also, tell your friends, podcasts are free. People are yeah, confused a lot. They, they think they have to pay for this. They don't. No. You can send me money if you want for rent, but <laughs> the podcast is free. It is free. And send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at americamedia.org. For American Media, I am Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis and Olga Segura. We'll see you next week.